0: Welcome to this series on The Glorious Church. It's all about who we should be and who we can be before the return of the Lord. Praise God. So good to have you here. If you're visiting this morning, uh, I just want you to know uh, that you're not here by chance. It's not by chance. So this morning, especially if you're visiting, uh, take heed to the Word. The Word is Especially for you. And the Lord orchestrated for you, you to be here this morning. Praise God. So, about 37 years ago, at this time, around this time, Julie and I, knowing that we were getting married, were looking for rings one for her engagement ring, and uh, for myself as well. So this ring has been on my hand for a long time, a long time. In fact, I look at it now, and it's like when I saw it the first time, It's like, man, I like, I like that ring. It wasn't a super expensive ring. Gold. It has, it has three diamonds on it three smaller diamonds, just in the line. And it it just, it caught my eye because there were much fancier rings there that I, that could have had. But this one caught my eye, very simple. And to me was, was classy. Something that's classy never goes out of style. Wouldn't you say? It's classy. You know, and I just, so this ring with these three diamonds, I, we didn't know how many children we would have. We have three daughters and uh, they're all out of the house at this point. And so it was, it was appropriate, yeah, held close to me on my hand. And these things of, of diamonds, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, a diamond in the rough. A diamond in the rough. When it comes to the mining of, of diamonds, the diamonds don't come out the way that you would see on a ring. They don't come out that way. In fact, when you look at the, at a diamond, there's things that have to be done to it. And so one of the things is, even as that diamond has come out of a dark place, has come out of a dark hole, and as as you look at it, as the, as the, the jeweler would look at the diamond, he's looking at it and he's seeing the potential of the stone, of this precious diamond. One of the most precious stones on the face of the planet, diamonds. I can remember way back when, uh, looking at these diamonds, and especially for Julie's ring, the jeweler had said, "There's you got to consider four Cs. You have to consider the the cut. You have to consider the clarity. You have to consider what's another one, The the color." and the last one the carrots what size it is what size is the is the this beautiful thing and so these are things that you consider and even they're they're judged they have designations given and so there's a worth depending on if there's some some flaws in it or the color is a little bit it's not quite the brightness even the cut I think there's 52 cuts on a on a diamond for those that are uh, uh, circular, especially. I don't know, maybe on the other ones too, but these 52 cuts are cut precisely so that as the light would come in, is reflected back out through the diamond. This diamond in the rough, in a dark place, in a hole. That isn't is is just some, just a, a stone. You say, is this is this does this have any value? And yet the jeweler would say, Oh, this is a good one, as he as he looks at it and he says, This is where I'm gonna cut it. This is what I'm gonna do to it. And so he's very the jeweler is very particular even on the cuts. I want you to know there's a jeweler. There's a jeweler that is, he is looking at you in ways that you don't even look at yourself. You don't even look at yourself in that way. I'm just, the Lord has given me some things here that are not part of what he's already given me. So let me just get to this passage quickly. This is Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to go from verse 13, but I want to read from verse, just 17, verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. On the day that I make them my jewels. Listen. Some of you. The view that you have of yourself. Is not the view that God has of you. As you look at yourself. Sometimes we look at ourselves physically. We look at ourselves physically and just say, hey, oh, man. I wish I didn't, I have flaws. I wish I didn't have these flaws. We're looking at the outside. Sometimes we even look at, the, at ourselves on the inside and we say, you know what? I don't, I don't see much of myself. I don't, I don't see myself. As, as anything of worth. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> that evaluation and the the support of that evaluation is of our fleshly, carnal mind and thinking, and it is also supported and very much enhanced by the enemy of our soul that wants to, take joy and everything from you as you look at yourself and as you evaluate yourself and he says yeah you're no good look at you you pathetic thing look at you and we get to a place where we may even come and speak things about God God why did you make me this way And we're like a, this diamond in the rough. I want to say at, right off the top, you may see yourself as that diamond in the rough. God Almighty already sees you as, in a way that is so far beyond what you see. And he sees you as the jewel that you are. There is a work that still needs to be done. There are things that may need to change in, change in us, absolutely. There are things of the flesh. I'll tell you, the flesh, our flesh, our carnal mind and thinking is contrary to the Spirit of God. It's, it's even opposed and fights against the things of God, the ways of God, and the views of God. Those things need to be crucified daily. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in this flesh, in this body, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I don't make what he did for me on a cross 2,000 years ago, I don't make that for nothing, in vain, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords died for us so that there can be a change in us. That's why the Lord says, hey, if you're going to follow me, Deny yourself. Deny your own righteousness, the things that you might even be proud of, that lifts you up and elevates you in your own eyes. And so often it's about the elevation of ourselves. Oh man, look at what I have done. Look at what I've accomplished. It's all because of me. I am someone special. And we can go to the other extreme and we get to this place of arrogance and pride. To the point where we say, you know what, God? I don't need you. I can do it all on my own. And we go to another extreme. The Lord is saying, on either extreme and everything in between, you give yourself to me. And let me take this diamond in a rough and let me begin to cut. And let me begin to shape. And let me begin to make you who you need to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? He is good. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles with, I want you to turn to Malachi chapter 3. So we're going to start at verse 13. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to re- read through this whole thing and then I'm going I'm to get into bits and pieces as we go on, as I always do. Standing on the word of God, because who cares what I think or my opinion it needs to be the word of God. Amen? His word is light, and his word is life. We can count on it. So I'm going to read quickly. Verse 13. Listen. And, and just before I, I, I read. The things that come out of our mouth. They actually are a condition of the heart. Where our heart is really at. And Jeremiah says, like, who can who can know the heart? The heart is desperately wicked and evil. Who can know? It says that God searches the reins, the intents, the motivations, even of the heart. Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And so there's things that are begin in our heart and they shift. And I'm, I'm talking about our Inward man and soul. I'm not talking about the physical heart. I'm talking about what's within us. And it goes to the mind. And the mind takes these things. And grabs a hold of it. Things that are contrary to God. Contrary contrary to his ways. Grabs a hold of it. And the next thing that happens, there are attitudes that are formed. There's conclusions drawn. And there's philosophies that are are developed. And we live our lives according to this thing that's coming out of our heart that is contrary. And we get ourselves into this hole. We are in a hole. And because we haven't allowed the things of God to begin to, to shape us, to cut us, to examine us, and to do the work of change in us. And so with the attitudes and the the, the philosophies and the things that dictate how we live our lives, contrary, just by our own wisdom, we say, well, I've got it all figured out. Look at how smart I am. And if I don't have it, I'm going to follow somebody else that's smarter than I am. And I'm going to go by what they think and their philosophies. And so the things are formed in the mind and they are spoken and they are acted out. Now, listen, even as believers, we sometimes grab a hold of these things. The wisdom that doesn't come from above, we grab a hold of the wisdom that is of this world and is of self and is also demonically inspired. Talks about that in James chapter 3. A different kind of wisdom. There's only two kinds of wisdom. The wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that does not come from above—there is no other wisdom on this planet. Comes from above, from Him, or it comes from this world, from ourselves, or is demonically inspired. That's what it says in James chapter three. So, now we come to this passage. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Your words have been harsh against me. Just for those that haven't been here for the last five weeks, this is part six. So if you miss it, you missed other parts, lighthouseniagara.com or YouTube, just check out Lighthouse Niagara. You'll have all the parts in order for the last four years. So Malachi is a monologue was given to Malachi, like this is the very end of the New Testament or Old Testament for the next 400 years, there was no prophet, there was no speaking of God to any man for the nation of Israel. Nothing. Silence. These are the last things he says before 400 years of silence. It's a monologue. One, mono means one. Log has to do with speech. Logos, log, monologue, dialogue. Dialogue, two people. Monologue, one. And it's God speaking here. So he's asking questions. He's making statements. He's giving answers. So you'll, you'll understand this a little bit better. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed, for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name they shall be mine says the lord of hosts on that on the day that i make them my jewels and i will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves god one who serves god and one who does not serve god okay they were speaking against the lord your words have been harsh against me says the lord Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? Listen. You have said it is useless to serve God. What's the point? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. That is not a good place to be in. What's the point in serving God? What profit is that we have kept his ordinance? Now, really. When you look at the history of keeping his ordinance, that's what they were saying. We've kept your ordinance, your ways, your commands, your feasts, your festivals. We've kept them. Trust me. From about 1400 or 1500 BC right till 400 BC, we're talking over a thousand years the majority of the time that the people were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. The kings weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. The priests weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And the people followed along and there was always, perhaps, sometimes just a remnant saying, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this. In fact, when Elijah was there, he thought that there was nobody left. He thought, Elijah the prophet, as he looked at the, the nation of Israel, they were worshipping Baal. The king, Ahab, and his wife, Queen Jezebel, and all the, the, the prophets that they had, they weren't prophets of God. They were prophets of another god, this god, demonic, serving Baal. And Elijah, as he examined, as he would look, he would say, is there anybody left? Am I the only one left that serves God of a nation of millions? And at that point, there were two. The, The northern and the southern kingdoms, they had separated already. They had split this kingdom of Israel and was split into the northern and southern kingdoms. And he is saying, there is nobody left in Israel, in all of Israel, that is serving the Lord. The Lord would reveal to him, there is a small remnant. Of the millions in the northern and southern kingdom, there's a remnant that still serve you. There's 7,000 that have not bowed their knees to Baal. 7,000, which is just a small number. He didn't know where they were. Even as the queen would chase after him to kill him, he was running for his life. He thought he was all alone. The Lord was with him. It's useless to serve God. What prophet, prophet, is, or what prophet is in it, or is it, that we have kept his ordinance doing the things of the Lord and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Man, we have fasted. We, we've kept our, our feasts and whatever, and we've mourned before you. They were going through the motions. Their heart was no longer, oftentimes, just going through the motions. Listen, we get to that place, and we're going through the motions. Ah, it's not that important to come into the Lord's presence. You know what? If it fits into my schedule, I'll be in the house of the Lord. If it doesn't fit into my schedule, it doesn't take much to say, you know what, I'm not not going today. I'm not going today. And we we get to a place of just going through the motions. Watch what you say about God. And it starts with the condition of the heart. Where is your heart at where you start to say it's not worth it to serve God anymore? And so here's what they were saying. So now we call the proud blessed, for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Let me read quickly. That's a trap. That's a trap to fall in. Look at, look at, look at the wicked. They prosper. Just quickly, I'm going to read this quickly. Psalm 73. This is a psalm of Asaph. He lived about 1,000, BC. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as pure, such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled... My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I almost slipped. My feet almost stumbled when I looked around. And I said, What's the point of serving God? Look at the wicked and look at the proud and the boastful. Look at their prosperity. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. I'm proud. Look, I've got everything. I went and I did. I conquered. I overcame. I've got victory. And I wear this pride around my neck as a necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. See how many people that are in positions of of either celebrity or, or... Whatever of, of power and wealth and whatever. And the things that they say against God. At points blasphemous. oftentimes. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Is there even a God? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. Surely to serve God, to have your heart cleaned is in vain and and repent of the things that make filth in my hands. I wash my hands in innocence for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. If I would have gone down that route. I would have been unfaithful to you and would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Listen. Until. I went into the sanctuary of God. I came into the presence of God. And then. I saw their end. Their end. I saw their end, the pride, the prideful. We don't need to serve God. It's not worth it to serve God. Watch where your heart is at, Lord, forgive me for thoughts that are contrary to you. Forgive me of those thoughts that would say it's not worth it to serve God. Lord, that I would come into your presence, that I would see who you are. There would be a revelation of you, just like with Job, who lost ten children in one day. Ten children gone. I could not even begin to m- imagine what that must have been like. Everything that he owned, taken away on the same day. This guy was rich. Lord, I need a meeting with you. Though you slay me, yet I will trust in you. But I want to have a meeting with you to, def- to defend my ways. When it finally did happen, when he, beca- when he came into the presence of God and the majesty and the glory of God, it was like... Oh. He was the most righteous man on this planet according to the evaluation of God himself the most righteous man in the presence of God almighty in the holiness and the majesty of the father the son and the holy spirit he looks at himself in his righteousness the most righteous person on the planet and he says i abhor myself i thought i was righteous in the holiness of god and I saw their end. When I went into the sanctuary, Lord, let us go into the sanctuary. Let us come into your presence that we would understand who you are. And no matter what may happen to us, and we go through different things. We go through hard times. But Lord, I will cling to you. I will not let you go. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. The moment they die, you can't take your wealth. You know what? The wealthy man with billions, when he faces death, will say, Yet yeah, it's not, I just want just another minute, another hour. Can I have another bit of life? Because all the riches does, means nothing as they face death and they're not in the right place and they know what's coming. Even at that point, God would say, You cry out to me and I'll save you in your last breath. As a dream when one awakes, so, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. Asaph is, I was so foolish. He's looking at himself. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you, ranting perhaps against God. Where are you? I've served you. Listen, I I spoke on this just a few weeks ago. The lowest point in my life And it was a a, a moment of, when I look back, was of arrogance. Lord, I'm disappointed with you. I have served you pretty well all my life. The things that I desire, they're not things for self. They're things of you and for you. Where? Why not? Why has it not been given? You know my heart for souls. Man, every opportunity I have, especially one on one, if there's an open door, I walk right through it. I want to see people saved. What the Lord has for us is beyond what we can ask or even think in these last days. The prayers that have been prayed over the course of the last five plus weeks. As we've gone and prayed. We're fasting and praying for three weeks. There's a contingent that we're coming together saying, what are we, we going to do? We're going to continue on. There's, there's been an addition to the prayers that have been, are going up for us and for the unbelievers. It was beautiful. I think on Friday there were nine of us. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. Are you nuts? Like who gets up when they're not a morning person? Who gets up? I'm not a morning person. I I would like to sleep a little bit longer. Oh, what a good thing to come into the house of the Lord. Begin to pray. Begin to see what he sees. To, To begin to have a revelation Say, thank you, Lord. The things, oh, I was so foolish and arrogant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. When I had that thought, Lord, I'm disappointed in you. The Lord came to me even as I had the thought. I mentioned this a few weeks back. I've mentioned it a few times the song that was playing by King and Country, something about holding us on his shoulders. Say, thank you, Lord. And within of 24 hours, he brought me to to Hebrews chapter 6. Basically saying, Dave, I have seen every single thing that you have ever done, good and bad. I've seen what you've done. I say, Lord, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, forgive me of anything of arrogance or pride. There'd be nothing of arrogance or pride in me. Lord, I want to continue with you always because you hold my right hand. Yeah, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. In these days, in these last days, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. kala Lord, help me that I would not stray to the right or to the left. Hallelujah, You will guide me with Your counsel. I'll take Your counsel, and afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We're talking eternity. We cannot begin to fathom what is ahead of us. I can't wait. We're living in the last days. We are living in the last days. There is, we are right at the finish line. I don't know. I don't, personally, I don't think we have 10 years left. In fact, I don't even think we have five years left. Personally. That's just my opinion. Don't take it as gospel. But just looking at what, what's happening around us. And here's the thing that's weighing on me as a pastor and has been in our time of prayer, whether it was at 6 o'clock or whether it was 20 after 9 or whether it was whatever, in the evening for men or whatever, the work that needs to be done is so far beyond us where where are you where are you terry are you here terry or are you can go back home his wife is he went back home to take care of his wife hip hip surgery you pray on wednesday at 2:30 when terry and trish go to city hall that's all i'm going to say like we we are <laughs> oh man The things that God is revealing, and I'm talking about the harvest, the harvest to come in, we need you and I, all of us, we need to be a part of it because we need to see that those people that are in a wrong place, even these diamonds in the rough that are opposed to God, that they would come to know Jesus. As I've been saying numerous times, the only thing that Satan has that we would even want and fight for are souls that are eternal that will either be with God or apart, when as long as he's got them, they're apart from God. And if if he continues, they make the choice to say, I don't want God. They will be apart from God exactly according to their wish for eternity. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. Those who are far from you, we're going after them. We need to go out. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? Amen. Come on. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? Amen? Never. He is coming back for the glorious church. A glorious church which we need to be a part of. And that is why there's a refining that's taking place within us. If there is anything of the practice of sin, you get rid of it. When the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you, you heed the Holy Spirit. Don't you play games with the Holy Spirit because I'll tell you right now, you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. There is no, there is nothing. That sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you might say, what is it? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. The drawing of the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ, to life eternal, is the drawing of the Holy Spirit. When you continue to resist the Holy Spirit in conviction, and I'm talking now for the believer, you are saved and you are continuing on in sin. Listen to me, folks. If you continue on in the practice of sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. There'll be one last chance, should that trumpet sound, and you were playing games, going according to the ways of this world and the, the doctrines and philosophies and the garbage and the of this world, and it's come into your soul and heart and into the church. It's okay to fudge, it's okay to sit on the fence. you heed the Holy Spirit because there's a point where the Holy Spirit's saying, okay, fine. If that's what you want, you want to continue, there'll be nothing you can do because you won't even want to come to, the, to God. As I said a few weeks ago, your blood will not be on my hands. And I'm warning You, as a pastor, listen to me, you guys and gals that are playing games. You know the Holy Spirit's been convicting you in whatever area it is. You make it right. You get it right before the Lord. Lord, forgive me. Confess your sin and humble yourself before the Lord. You know what? Oh, Ah. We're talking... In the church. In the church. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. Harlotry. You know what a harlot is? We're not talking just the things of in the natural. We're talking about I'm going after other things besides you, God, because you are not important to me, and I'm going to go somewhere else and do other things. Harlotry. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. I'll tell you right now, if you don't repent, you will be destroyed. You might say, how? You will be apart from God for eternity. Pastor, don't be so harsh. Listen, we don't have much time left. If you're not in the right place... You don't care about the others. We need to be in the right place so that we can go out in the right place and say, man, I love you. I want you to get out. I was where you once were, a diamond in the rough. And man, has the Lord done a powerful work. I just listened to a a 10-minute clip this morning of this woman that was a lesbian. And she was saying, don't believe the lies of the enemy and of this world and whatever. She is the wife of a pastor with children. I think she has children. She was speaking to 15,000 students. Very, man. The ways of this world. And God loves you so much. He wants to get you out of the hole. Because in his eyes, you are a diamond in the rough. Don't believe the lies of this world, the lies of your own flesh that is contrary to the spirit, the lies of the enemy that is coming because his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. Destroy as in to never be with God for eternity. That's his ultimate goal. And that's what we're coming against in these last days. In these last days, we're coming against the gates of hell, and we w- the gates of hell will not prevail for those that still have to come to the Lord. I'm telling you, if you don't get here on time, this church, there's still room. I appreciate those of you that were parking already on the, on the streets to give room. Let me just say this. There's room across, the, as long as uh, it's still not boating season, park across the street too. There's a section for about, well, it's just a very small section, 10 cars. Park around the block. That's fine. Park around the block because there's a day coming soon where you come in at 10 o'clock and you're not going to have a seat. What's that? You're bringing your own seat. <laughs> Brother, I'm believing what you saw that you're going to be out of that seat and standing. Yeah. You know what, though? You saw a vision. You saw a vision. You were dressed in a suit. There's not too many people that wear suits here. I've got a partial one on. You said, I was dressed in a suit and I was greeting people. He's already doing that. You're greeting people. One day we will see how tall you actually are. In Jesus' name. This is what he saw. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. On a, on a, <laughs> I'm on page two of six. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know what? <sighs> Can I have the worship team come up? Okay, let, me, let me just say this. I want you to know. And if, if, you can, if you guys can do the last, well, I'll leave it up. Josh, are you, are you here? Anyways, do we got our team? Oh, there you are. I want you to know how much God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit love you. Man, and allow Him to prune. Allow Him to cut off and shape you and mold you into who God would have you to be. Because it is wonderful in his sight already beforehand. And I see what I'm seeing. Getting glimpses, and I see the potential in you. Let me say the potential that you have with the Lord, as you totally surrender. Let me just, I want to read one passage here. I'm going to just, uh, let me see if I can pull it out very quickly. I'm going to read two passages. Oh, maybe three. Okay, but anyways. (laughs) Let me just uh, pull it out here. Here it is. Here's one of them. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. You say, what's beseech? Beseeching is coming to person. I beg of you. You may even grab them. Say, listen. You need to listen to this. Listen to this and do it. You got to do it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He is merciful. You might say you're in a hole today. I'm in a hole I look at myself, maybe in arrogance, or I look at myself and I say, What? Ugh! can't believe it, who I am. By the mercies of God, He doesn't see you the way you see yourself. He sees you finished. He already sees the finished product. This diamond, these diamonds. In the light, they're still shining. You're just tiny little guys here. But they're shining. They've been cut. They've been placed. Perhaps this is what the Lord is saying. You are my jewels. This is how I see you now. I see you that way. And so the Lord, according to this word that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice, Lord, here I am, holy and acceptable to God, which is a, your reasonable service. Just to give. Lord, I give myself to you. You go ahead and do the work that I can't do on my own, because I've tried hard enough to do the work on my own, and there's, I can't cut everything. You can. You can change me. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed, be transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind where your heart is. Your mind, let your heart be, I give my heart completely over to you. A living sacrifice, a living sacrifice and he's gonna do the work of transformation. Be transformed, the renewing of your mind as your heart is changed, you gave it to the Lord, your mind will start to change that you may prove, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Perfect in every aspect, in cut, in clarity, in color, and in carrots, the size, everything, perfect to perfection because of who he is. Hallelujah. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Lord, I will serve you. And the Lord, we will not just be jewels. He said, I'm sparing you. Lord, we're going to serve you in these last days with our whole heart. With our whole heart. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. Between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. We will see it. He will see it. He knows who we are. That we would serve Him. He will discern between the righteous and the wicked. Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. Hallelujah. What then shall I say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but delivered him up for us all to the cross. God, the Holy Spirit, led Jesus right to the cross. It wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. It was on purpose for the Lamb of God to go to the cross so that he could take all our sins upon himself and the consequences of our sins he took upon himself so that we can be in right standing before God. Can we stand? Hallelujah, hallelujah. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, not us. He makes us right. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness? Absolutely not. Nothing, None of these things can separate us from the love of God. Can peril, danger, or sword, can these things separate us from the love of God? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are ca- counted as sheep for the slaughter. Even in the face of death. Lord, we're gonna serve you. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thank you, Lord. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give him praise this morning. Let's give him the highest praise this morning. He is deserving this morning. This morning, if you're at that place and you know I'm not in the right place with the Lord, it is so simple. The only thing, that's why he went to the cross, the only thing that can wash us clean is Jesus' precious blood. You might say, well, how do I have that blood applied? To my life how do I apply the blood of Jesus to the stains in my life the wrinkles of my life how do I apply the blood of Jesus says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness Lord I'm a sinner Lord I've sinned in this area maybe nobody knows about it the Lord knows confess your sin and believe on the one that can save you from your sins the one that willingly went to the cross that died for you that gave himself for you your sins were put upon him he took the penalty of your sins he was buried and when he was buried as as he was in the tomb for three days he overcame death and hell and he took the keys of death and hell and he took them and he overcame hallelujah hallelujah And he rose again, and he is seated on the right hand of the Father. His name is above all names. Hallelujah. So you believe on that one, Jesus Christ and him crucified for you. You place your faith in him and let him into your life. Lord, I give myself completely to you. A living sacrifice come into my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's close in worship and in praise what an amazing God we have. Let's worship him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope that the word you received was impactful and encouraging. We hope you can connect with us in person or online through our socials or website. Make sure you share this with others, and God bless you richly.